I'm excited to be here today. I uh, have so much good news to share with all of you. And uh, I want to make the most of this time. I have about an hour and a half, right? Just kidding. Okay. Um, no, I have so much good news about Jesus to share. And for this morning, I'm going to share, this afternoon, I'm going to share, obviously give you an update because... When I was 16, Jesus called me to reach young people in New York City, and I've been walking that calling out. And I'm so grateful for the people God has surrounded me with, like this church, like Alan Laurie, who we've known each other for 23 years as we've been walking this journey out. And Jesus has led us to be a part of what God is doing through an organization called Young Life. So I'm going to share some information about Young Life. And then Jesus has put on my heart for us today to share a comforting word. How many of you would like to hear a comforting word from Jesus today? And part of that comforting word is that I'm going to give you an opportunity today. We're going to have a time towards the end of, of my, my message where we're going to present our desires before Jesus' presence. And I'm going to pray a blessing over us. But before we get into all of that, let me call on the Father. Father, thank you for this opportunity that I could be here with brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and that your love, it endures forever. Your love, which was with Adam and Eve from the beginning, has endured through every year, through every century, until this very day right now here in Long Island, that we would know your love, that we would taste and see that you are good. Father, I need you to speak through me. We need to hear from you. We need to experience you today. Jesus, be glorified. Holy Spirit, do your thing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in New York City and part of Young Life, Queens. That, that, is, um, that is a picture of the borough of Queens. Queens uh, is is part of the five boroughs, as you know. And we have been called by Jesus to spread his fame in that borough. Um, to do that, which way do I point? Okay. To do that, God has uh, surrounded us with a team of people. Um, this is a picture that we took in December at our new uh, regional office in Astoria, Queens. And uh, these are the names of the individuals. There's Catrice, there's Paul, Samantha, Alejandra, Annie, Charles, Eddie, Lauren, Ruel, Jaden, Sarah, and myself. Now, exciting news, okay, news flash. January 15th marked the first day of a new member of our team, which is my wife, Sarah. Sarah, can you come up here for a minute? I want to just have Sarah give you a one-minute kind of update on what it's like, what it's been like for her. Is this on? Yeah, you're good. So uh, before January 15th, I was working as an administrative assistant with a preschool in Manhattan, and um, I started January 15th officially with the team. I had been volunteering before that, um, and so what it's it's been like. It's been great to be part of this team. Uh, because I'm not working that other job, uh, the Lord has increased my capacity to give, um, to support this team, 
um, to be part of this community and to join Ray in this mission. Um, most of, some of you know that we've been to, we've known each other since high school, and it's always been about how can we let other people know about the Lord. And it's been really exciting to mm. join him mm. in an official capacity. Mm. Um, quitting the other job and being paid in a paid position has allowed me to not wear so many hats and focus and join him in this mission. And it's also been great to be part of this team because we're a little older now. So I find that often we're in a place where we're encouraging and helping equip and helping cheer those who are younger on. Uh, the staff that you see, they raise their salary. So most of them are in their 20s and they've answered the call to do full-time ministry and trust that God would provide for them. So it's a faith journey. Yeah. Um, it's discouraging at times, it's hard at times, but it's great to be part of this team and say, look, God did it in our lives. We know he can do it in your lives and God is doing great things. So thank you for supporting us because you are part of allowing that to happen. Amen. And I do have Jaden and Ruel on there because they are part of the squad. In fact, our first, uh, we had a retreat for, for the team back in August. And uh, I remember sitting in this beautiful, we were at Lake Champion, sitting in this beautiful space, a room where we read through the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews together. And the boys were a part of that. They each read a chapter. So we're creating this family, this team of people that's going to trans be a part of Jesus' transforming work in Queens. Um, I want to just ask us for a moment to pray for one of our teammates. Her name is Catrice. And is it okay if we just pray a prayer of comfort over her? This past week, Catrice lost her dad. And her dad was, uh, they had the kind of relationship where her dad was like, her best friend. And this is important because when, when, when we experience loss like this, it really impacts our lives, the grief. And as a shepherd, as a leader over Catrice, um, I, we need God's help to guide her through this. Um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for Catrice. We thank you for calling her to reach kids in Queens. Lord, uh, along with my uh, LIAC family, we ask that you would comfort her. We ask that you would guide her through this valley, that you would, you would comfort her in her grief. Lord, that you would encourage her, God, and that, Lord, even this, Lord, though it's painful and it's, it's challenging, Lord, you would use this in her life uh, for good. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So Catrice is a part of a team of us. And so this is our mission field. This is what Jesus has called us to do. This is the borough of Queens, 2.3 million people. It's a lot of people. 474,963 young souls under the age of 18 who call Queens their home. 71 neighborhoods in 14 community districts. If you can see, all of those different sections have a number. And our passion, our goal, our vision is by 2026 that we have healthy leaders and healthy teams in each one of those 14 community districts giving kids an opportunity to encounter our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, because there's only one name through which we can be saved. The, the Bible says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life 
and life to the full. And we want kids to have that abundant life. Um, we use all kinds of things to people, including one of these, a basketball. Um, we are very innovative. We use sports. We use hip-hop culture. We use all of the different tools that we can to introduce kids to Christ. I want to share with you this incredible video of one of the ways that we do this through our Young Life basketball camp. Chris, can you play that video? Young Life basketball is incredibly different from our other camping experience, that it is tailor-made for predominantly young men of inner city and urban backgrounds. The tool of basketball is leveraged to communicate Jesus in a way that these young men can understand. When we look at this camp, it is a journey and a process to manhood, we get a chance to begin a journey while they're at home, facilitate and speed up the journey while they're here, and then take them back home and continue the journey in the neighborhood. Using the tool of basketball, sport allows us to be able to focus on discipline. It allows us to be able to concentrate on hard work. It allows us to be able to recognize teamwork, how do you lead, how you follow. And so we get an opportunity to do that in a very practical way. The drills that I provide, they're very strategic and they're very hard, but I let them know that it can be done and that's why I demonstrate everything I do. So when I show them, they can't say, well, it can't be done. No, I'm showing you. So that forces them to say, you know what? I'm going to buckle down and do this. If you want to be a basketball player, what are you willing to sacrifice? And the work that I provide, you're going to have to sacrifice your body. Club is a fun way that it really engages two or three things. It is music, it's singing together, and it is humor. It's giving kids the opportunity to laugh at life in a way that's actually funny. The last part of that is introducing adolescents to who Jesus is through the nature of God, person of Christ, the purpose of Christ, the passion of Christ, and then now how do I follow Christ? And so you put all of those things together in really a short hour and 15 minute to hour and a half window, and voila, you have a recipe for the beginning of kids following Jesus for the rest of their life. Does it mean that you're not gonna mess up again, but it does mean regardless of where you are, man, he's gonna be right there with you. Pull it down. We teach young men how to tie a tie. We provide our senior males with suits because they're now transitioning from high school. If they're not going to college, they're entering the real world. And so we believe that every man should have at least one or two suits. We've been leading kids through surveys, talking about test-taking skills, what they need to be successful on an ACT or an SAT. It's the principle of the day that gives them an opportunity to think. There are very few camps that can say not only do they focus on sports, but they focus on life skills. Everything that we do from the basketball, from the spiritual, from the academic standpoint, it all encompasses building men. Let's 
we've seen young men come here broken. Young men come here shattered. And we help them understand that there is a God who loves you, that despite your circumstances, despite your situations, you have value and you have purpose. We are not the only men who can add value to these young men. There are several of you that you can be a part of building men and your investment in this camp will help young men do some things that they did not have a vision or a picture for until you got involved. But the payoff is, is watching young men engage and begin a relationship with Jesus that we are able to follow up when we get back in the neighborhood and then watch the progression as these young men become older men and become the leaders of the children we don't yet have. How cool is that? Well, we are excited about all that Jesus is doing. Jesus is making that possible. And this is what your investment in our ministry with Young Life is producing in Queens and throughout New York City. Well, today I'm excited to share God's word with you. God has been doing incredible things in my life in my family's life, in our team's life. And one of the things that God has been communicating to me, Jesus has been communicating to me, is that he cares about the things that I care about. He knows what's in my heart. He knows the desires and the longings of my heart. And that God is a God who... He cares about those things and he wants us, he invites us to be real with him and to be honest and to be vulnerable and to bring those desires to him. How many of you like uh, these reality television shows like The Voice, like uh, what are some of the shows that you like? America's Got Talent, um, The Four. You guys watch any of those shows? Well, you ever watch America's Got Talent and the, the artist comes out onto the stage, you know, there's Simon and like three or four other uh, judges there and they'll, you know, ask them some introductory information, what's your name, tell me your story, and they'll share their story and then finally they'll ask, so what are you going to do for us today? And then the artist will, you know, tell them and then the artist performs, right? And then at the end of their performance, that is the moment. That is the moment where this artist has been working, practicing for many, many hours, many, many years even, to hear what these judges have to say. And oftentimes, you know, the judges, they'll be very honest. The person's bad, they'll, you know, honestly tell them. They're not the greatest, but there's one judge on that panel whose voice matters the most. 
You know whose voice that is, right? Simon's voice. I mean, it's what Simon has to say is what really that he bears the weight of, of the judgment of that artist. And if Simon, there's, there's a few times where Simon will say something like, that was incredible. And you have a bright future ahead of you. Or if he says, you can be a superstar. If Simon says that, that moment just transforms the trajectory of that person's life. Because Simon has so much influence. Simon has such a reputation that if he gives his stamp of approval on that artist, that artist's life, that artist's opportunity, the door opens wide. You know, God is much greater than Simon. <laughs> Jesus is a promise that God made from the very beginning. From the very beginning of time when God created man and woman and put them in a garden. And we read in Genesis how he gave them boundaries, he gave them structure, and we know that the Bible tells us that they were deceived by the serpent and that brought consequences, death. But the Bible also says that from the very beginning, God had a plan. God had a plan to bless all of humanity. He told Abram, and Sarai, that through them, all nations would be blessed. And throughout the Old Testament, through prophets, God kept reminding his people that he had this amazing plan. In Isaiah 61, uh, there was a prophet named Isaiah who gave this prophecy. He said this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So for all of these years throughout time, God's people have been holding on to these promises, promises of God's blessing. And as we all know here, life can be difficult. How many of you have been disappointed in your life? You don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of you have been betrayed in this life? How many of us have been rejected in this life? How many of us have struggles and things that we deal with that we just don't have the answers to? We can't overcome it on our own. How many of us have lost someone that was really precious to us? Someone that we cared about? Someone that was a source of good in our lives? That gave us advice? That gave us comfort? That gave us encouragement? And so in life, we experience these hardships. I don't understand how some people can live life and go through all of these things without knowing the love of God. In this passage that, uh, that was read moments ago in Mark chapter 10, if you have your swords, you want to take your sword out, this is the Bible, the Bible's, the Word of God says that this is the sword of the Spirit. We need a sword because we have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But in this word, in this particular passage, this historical encounter, we see a guy who's going through some stuff, a guy named Bartimaeus. And so let me read this to you. So Matthew 10, verse 46, Then they came to Jericho. They is Jesus, his entourage of disciples, and those that were following them. Jesus was on mission, just like we are trying to introduce kids to Christ in Queens. Jesus was on a mission back then. It all started with him. And they, uh, they go into the city, Jericho, on mission, and it says, And Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were now leaving the city. And as they were leaving the city, there was a man, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus. He was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, let me just tell you something about being blind. Thank God I'm not blind, but I have a little bit of an experience of being blind. When I was working on my Master's of Social Work degree at SUNY Albany, uh, for one of our courses, in this particular course, they wanted to help develop within us an empathy uh, for people with disabilities. So they gave us this assignment. They said, I want you to pick a partner from your class, and I want you to go to the nearest shopping mall, and I want each of you to take turns being blind. I want each of you to take turns being blind, and I want you to go and I want you to go to the food court blind. I want you to order food blind. I want you to eat your food blind. I want you to get on the escalator blind. I want you to go shopping blind. And so we went, and uh, I said, I'll go first. So my partner was my guide who had sight, and I had to just keep my eyes closed the whole time. And it was such a vulnerable experience for me. Something so basic as going to the food court and ordering lunch. Because there I am, I can't see the menu. I have to rely on this guy to tell me what was there. And then I had to pay for the food, so I'm taking money out of my pocket. I don't know what, you know, what exactly I was handing the cashier. And then she was giving me change. It was a sobering experience that it made me empathize with what it might be like being blind in a way that I hadn't encountered before. And so here we have someone who has been blind all their lives and they're begging, they're begging, they're on the road in this city begging, depending on people around them to just get through their day, to get through their lives. And it goes on to say, verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the artist who goes to America, America's Got Talent, who knows that this is an opportunity that they have to have their lives changed, to be given a record deal, whatever it may be. Here this guy hears that Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, let me tell you why that's important. That's important because year after year, God's people 
were awaiting a Messiah. Like they knew that God had promised he was going to send someone who was going to make all things right. God was going to send someone to deliver them. God was going to send someone to proclaim good news. God was going to send this Messiah, a Savior, who was going to do something very relevant to this guy, Bartimaeus. What was that thing that was very relevant? We find what that very relevant thing is in Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, it says in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. So back to Mark 10. This guy Bartimaeus knew that this guy Jesus, who everyone was talking about, this could be him. This could be this promised Messiah. This could be the guy who restores sight to the blind. And so when he heard that Jesus was passing by, the scripture says that he began to shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that Jesus stopped and he said, call him. That was like Simon saying, you're going to be a superstar. So much so that when Jesus stopped and said, call him, those that were rebuking him and telling him to shut up and to be quiet, they knew, oh, it's on. This guy's going to be blessed. Because it says that they call to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. That is how much weight Jesus had. They knew. Now, I was asking myself, why were these people telling him to be quiet in the first place? Like, what kind of people are those? Like, this guy's blind. They know Jesus, like, is healing people, delivering. Like, it's kind of messed up that in the first place they were, like, telling him to be quiet. Like, what happened, you know, to friends, right? But anyway, Jesus hears him. He calls to the man. Scripture says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asks him this wonderful, wonderful question. What do you want me to do for you? And this Jesus is asking you today. He's asking me today. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see can you imagine how he longed to be able to see a sunrise, to see a sunset, to see the face, 
the eye color of people that he was speaking to, to read. Maybe he had family members, nieces, nephews. Maybe he had children. And to be able to see, to be able to read, to be able to enjoy the beauty of God's creation, it was the longing of his heart. He knew that if he could see, he could probably work. He wouldn't have to beg. If he could see, he could have a relationship with someone. I want to see. Jesus says, go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, God is, is a generous God. Jesus is a compassionate God, and he had mercy on this blind man. And I believe that Jesus wants to remind us today, this afternoon, that he is compassionate, and he is merciful, and he knows the desires of our hearts. They're very important to him. I think Jesus wants to remind us today, yes, he is in control of the world. He orders the affairs of humanity. Yes, he orders the affairs of the cosmos, but he wants you to know today that he's not too busy for you, that the cares and concerns of your heart are not beyond his concern, that he loves each one of you, that he knows the hurts in your life, that he knows the things that you Rehearse in your mind over and over and over again those thoughts. He knows that what you are blind in seeing. He knows the false lenses that the enemy has placed over your eyes, that you see yourself a certain way, a way that is not true, a way that is not who he created you to be. And this is very, very important to him. He wants you to know that he cares about the desires. And today he's inviting us. He's inviting us. He's calling us. He sent me here this afternoon to tell you he's calling you to himself again today. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that wonderful? He's inviting you to come to him. And he's asking us this question. What do you want me to do for you? Do you know that that is one of the most common questions Jesus asked in his earthly ministry? The Bible says that he came to seek and to save. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that we would have life. And your life is very important to him. What do you want me to do for you? I sat in Chicago this past week with a group of leaders from around the country for a special training for Young Life leaders who are going to be the next senior level leaders within the organization. And uh, this speaker was inviting us to ask uh, this question. In fact, she had us get into groups of four and she, she challenged us to share with the other three people in our group, what is the deep desire of your heart? What is it that you desire most in your life? 
Can I share what I shared with those three people with you? I told them that I desire to be on America's Got Talent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, for me, my mom and dad never married. In fact, my mom left my dad when I was still very young. And even in my childhood growing up, I got to see my dad maybe four times. The last time I saw my dad was in a hospital where he was very ill and he, he died. I was 10 years old. And since, just since then and throughout my childhood, I never had like a guy to come alongside me and say, Ray, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to show you the ropes. I may have shared this at other times. It's a, a, it's a part of my narrative. And I told this group of people, like, I want, I want to be loved in a way that I don't have to earn that love. I, for so many years, I've been striving to, to do things, to be, uh, to be good, to memorize scripture, um, to obey God, to love people, to forgive my enemies. And all, all along across that journey, I've, you know, I've experienced a lot. I've failed um, I've lost friends, I've lost people that were dear to me, I've offended people, and because I've offended them, they've, they've ended our friendship. Very painful things. And I told them, I, I want to be, I just want to be, I want to be known, and I just want to be loved for who I am without having to earn it. That's my desire, and I, I don't have any answer. I don't have a beautiful, you know, uh, nicely wrapped up uh, uh, solution to that, but that's a longing of my heart. I want to live life just knowing who, who, who I am and, and, and others knowing who I am and loving me regardless. And I know there's only one place I can find that. There is only one who is perfect enough, who is big enough, to know the fullness of who Ray is, the depths of my depravity, and still love me unconditionally. There is only one who would love me that way, and that one person is Jesus. There is only one person who will love you that way, and that is Jesus. As much as I love Sarah, as much as I love my boys, my closest friends, they don't have the capacity to love me the way the creator of the universe has the capacity to love me. And yes, God will send people into my life to come alongside me and to be a conduit of his love, mercy, and grace, as he has with Lori and with Al and others in my life. God is showing me that he will give me the abundant life. And he has shown me in many other ways that God is there for me to provide to meet those deep desires. But he wants to remind us all today. He wants to remind you. He's inviting you to come to him. He's inviting you to tell him what it is that you would have him do for you. I want to read this, this beautiful uh, description of Jesus in closing. It's from a, a guy named John MacArthur. He says this, someone has said that Jesus Christ came from the bosom of a father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we might put on divinity. 
He became son of man that we might become sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature, lived in poverty, and was reared in obscurity, and only once crossed the boundaries of the land in which he was born, and that in his childhood. He had no wealth or influence, and had neither training nor education in the world's schools. His relatives were inconspicuous and uninfluential. His inf in infancy, he startled the king. In boyhood, he puzzled the learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the billows and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book, and yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books about him. He never wrote a song, yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all songwriters together. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as he has. He never practiced medicine, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all doctors have healed broken bodies. This Jesus Christ is the star of astronomy, the rock of geology, the lion and the lamb of zoology, the harmonizer of all discord and the healer of all diseases. Throughout history, great men have come and gone, yet he lives on. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I said earlier, I want to invite you. I want to invite you into his presence right now and to share with him what is that thing that you desire. So the way that this is going to work is I'm going to give you a moment and we're going to sit here in silence and you are going to think about what that is that you desire most? What is that longing in your heart to present to Jesus? And in reverence, we're going to sit here in silence and let you process that, and then I'm going to close uh, with a psalm of encouragement. So I invite you in. Think for a moment. What is that, that thing that you long in your heart? And I want to invite you to bring it to Jesus now. loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. I want to just pronounce this, uh, this psalm over us all today. And this psalm is Psalm 20. It might be a psalm you want to highlight if you haven't in your Bible. It says this, May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and we'll lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand.
Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But Eliasi, Ray and his family, we trust in the name of the Lord our God, Jesus. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. In closing, Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We love you all. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to share the word of life with you. We encourage you to bring your needs to Jesus. He loves you. Amen.